This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here. Today, you're listening to episode 217, and you're getting a little bonus series here. Surprise, I didn't tell you this was even coming, so I'm really excited to bring it to you. I have partnered up with St. Vincent Sports Performance, which is the place that I go to for all of my athletic needs. They are a one-stop shop for anybody training for sport, whether you are an everyday runner or an Olympic caliber runner. They work with people all over the spectrum of abilities, and this is where I go to get worked on when I have any kind of issue that pops up. They have physical therapists, athletic trainers, they have sports dietitians, they have sports psychologists and sports medical doctors. So really full spectrum at St. Vincent Sports Performance and I feel so fortunate that they are in my backyard. So I'm gonna kick off this series. This first series is with three different professionals working at St. Vincent. The first is with Daryl Barnes. He's an athletic trainer and performance specialist. He's worked with athletes like Jenny Simpson and Emily Enfeld, and he also works with athletes like you and I. Daryl was offered a position to work with the Olympic team in Tokyo in 2020, so he is really excited about that. Daryl has been with St. Vincent for over 25 years, and he actually was an integral part in helping create this one-stop shop that I mentioned that St. Vincent's is today. He came alongside Ralph Reef and really helped envision what this facility, the state-of-the-art facility, would look like. So I was really excited to talk to Daryl today and just get an overall look at all of the fundamentals we should be thinking about as runners, all the, all the things we should be paying attention to to keep our bodies healthy so that we can run as long as possible. Daryl is a wealth of knowledge And I really had fun, first of all, getting to know him, and second of all, learning a little bit about what's important to be paying attention to as a runner. I don't know about you, but the last thing I want to do is get injured. I want to run healthy and strong, and seeking out professionals like Daryl has become more and more important to me as the years have gone on. All right, so tomorrow you're going to get an episode with Anna Turner. She's a sports dietitian with St. Vincent Sports Performance. And then Thursday, you're going to get another episode with Dr. Joel Carey, who is a sports medical doctor. We're really going to see the full overall picture here talking with all three of these professionals. And I'm just so excited and honored to to work with St. Vincent Sports Performance and to share the knowledge that they have to offer, that the professionals working at St. Vincent have to offer. So I hope you learn a little bit today. I hope you enjoy getting to know these awesome humans. And I hope you're motivated to maybe go do some strength training. Because that's definitely uh, one thing I walked away from this episode noting that I needed to do more of is some strength training. Uh, One little plug here. First of all, this episode is not specific to those living in Indianapolis. Though physically their facility is here Daryl, Anna, and Dr. Carey all give tangible advice that all of us can use. Um, But secondly, if you are local, I do want to let you know, I'm hosting a training program here in town with Athletic Annex 
for the 500 Festival Mini Marathon. We're going to be training on Wednesdays and Saturdays, Wednesdays at 6 p.m., Saturdays at 8 a.m. from Athletic Annex in Nora. We're going to have, I'm going to have some co-coaches and also some pace leaders. It's going to be a really great group of individuals, and we would love to have you. The cool thing about it, too, is we have athletic trainers like Daryl that come out once a month for injury checks at our training runs. So you'll actually get to get on the table and get checked out and examined by one of the athletic trainers from St. Vincent. And I think that is just like such a cool component to the program. It's not every day that you can just be seen by these professionals at a training run without actually scheduling an appointment. So that's a really cool service that they're offering the training program. More information on that training program will be in the show notes at lindsayhine.com, the show notes of this episode. And we would love to have you join us. All right, so three episodes in a row, actually four, because you're gonna get the regular Friday episode as well this week. So here we go. We're gonna kick it off here. I hope you all enjoy my conversation with Daryl Barnes. All right, well, I am so excited to be doing a series with St. Vincent Sports Performance. Um, This is a facility here in Indianapolis that I feel very fortunate to have. I don't know how we got to have you guys here in Indianapolis, but it's a really cool thing. And today I'm sitting here with Daryl Barnes. He's an athletic trainer and performance specialist with St. Vincent. So welcome to the podcast, Daryl. Hey, thank you so much, Lindsay. I really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, I have talked to so many athletes of all ranges of abilities and levels. And one of the coolest things is that some of the people that have been on my show, like Jenny Simpson, are athletes that are training at the and running at the Olympic level, and they use St. Vincent services. That is so true. Um, we've been so blessed for the last 15 years to work with just some of the greatest uh, athletes in this world. And and one of our favorites that we love to work with is the runner. And, and so we formed a relationship um, right after the Beijing Olympics um, with USA Track and Field. And from there, we have a no barriers program that we had for a long time where athletes could come in and utilize our services, see our physicians, see our athletic trainers and our therapists, work with our strength coaches and nutrition, and also with um, our sports psychology. And it just worked out so well. We formed such good relationships. We started to actually um, travel with some of the teams and we we cover um, events for them. We actually go out and do high performance summits where we we work with um, with the athletes and do functional movement screens and, and Y balance testing and um, table m- manip- mobilizations and, and different treatments to help them be the best runner they can. And our whole goal with that is for them to identify those really small things that keep them from reaching their potential. And it's really small in most of them because they're all phenomenal athletes. And it just so happens that our paths have crossed with Jenny and many of the elite runners that uh, that you've had on the show and have done pod- pod- podcasts for with before. Okay, so a couple of questions. First, I want to know a little bit about your history, how you got into athletic training and um, wound up working with St. Vincent. Wow, what a great story. Um, I actually uh, went to Indiana University and got my master's in athletic training. And so happens that I was the GA for Coach Knight okay. in the 93-94 IU men's basketball team. Um, after we lost in the Sweet 16, 
um, one of our team physicians, Dr. Stephen Allfeld, asked me if I wanted a job uh, working with him in some of his schools um, after I get done. And I was like, sure. And just so happens it was with St. Vincent Sports Medicine. And that was 25 years wow, ago. You've been so, with St. Vincent for 25 years. 25 years. And then five years ago, um, we, sorry, I apologize. <laughs> 20 okay. years ago, we hired Ralph Reef. Okay. And Ralph Reef from Butler University and was also um, the head athletic trainer for the 1996 Atlanta Olympics. So he had such a passion for the NGBs, the National Governing Bodies. Okay. And so we he already had a lot of connections. We started the relationship with um, USA Track and Field at that time. And since then, it's just been a phenomenal ride. Okay. So we can't just like graze over Bobby Knight. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm an Indiana girl. And I think Bobby Knight is probably one of the most well-known college basketball coaches of all time. Of course. What was that like working with him? I would have to say it was amazing. Really? Um, the things that I learned, um, the just the the way to be a professional. Uh, mm. Do I uh, condone some of his uh, <laughs> his outbursts? No, I really don't. But I loved how much of a perfectionist he was, how he loved his players, um, his passion, his expertise. I, I've never, I've been around a lot of professional sports. I've never seen a coach that was as smart and prepared and knew what he was doing as Coach Knight. What do you think that was about him? Like, like how, how does that happen? I, I wish I knew, yeah. but I do know one thing that his passion and love for the, the game of basketball was unparalleled. Mm. I mean, it showed in everything he did. And um, he really did love his players. And, and he was a really neat person. He just um, had a little bit of a temper issue at time <laughs> to times. And he, he didn't know how to play the game. Uh, most coaches have at that level, in my opinion, have a... A volatile personality uh -huh. but most of them know how to play the game in front of the camera and he just didn't care and so oh, you mean like how to make sure I'm not throwing a chair while the camera's rolling right kind of thing you know they, they could be nice and 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 look professional in uh -huh. front of a camera then go in the locker uh -huh. room and be as mean and and uh, uh, you know really just aggressive as as a lot of coaches and so but Knight just didn't care and so he allowed it to uh, just show up wherever he was at. I'm so interested and fascinated by coaches and, and how each of them do things differently. And, and talking about this, I'm just thinking about like coach Tony Dungy and I'm thinking, I bet his nature's a little bit more calm than that. Very different. <laughs> he just had a total different way yeah. of doing it. Yeah. Well, that is so cool. I did not know that you worked under four with coach Knight. Yeah. Um, okay. So then my other question following up that introduction is, how does then St. Vincent, and you kind of touched on this when you mentioned Ralph, how do you guys then become the facility and the the uh, professionals that get to work with, you know, I know you go out to the Bowerman Track Club and get to work with all these really elite athletes. Well, it, it starts with having a vision. And we, we had a vision of becoming a world-class destination for sports performance. And we were really instrumental 
in putting together the what we would call one-stop shop, where you put the um, physicians, the um, medical staff, mm-hmm. such as the athletic trainers and physical therapists, um, sports psychology, sports nutrition, and sports performance and workouts all together in one building and had them working together as a unit. And, and it really was a very, it is a very special um, thing. It's not as common as what you would think. You think a lot of people have these entities, but working as well as they do together and supporting each other is very special. So we started that process. And then by um, bringing athletes in, they saw that and they saw that, wow, I I get taken care of here. And, and this is a different place than where I have to go and I may work with my um, school or team and then I have to go do extracurricular stuff at two or three different shops. They could come here and get it all in one stop and we were cohesive, had great communication and still do um, and we use that for the betterment of our client. And what's so great about that is it's just not for the elite athlete. It is for everyone. If you're physically active and have a goal, we have a team for you. And and that's what I, that's our mission. That's yeah. our passion in this world. Is not just to work with the Olympians? It, it, is it what we love to do? Yes. But our mission is to help people reach their physical goals every day. Yeah. You know, I coach a handful of, of amateur recreational runners who mm-hmm. are, you know, people who are maybe trying to qualify for Boston or or break four hours in the marathon. And I refer people here because if someone tells me, I feel like I have plantar fasciitis coming up or any kind of like any kind of ailment, any kind of issue where they feel like something's not right. I am a virtual running coach, right? I have no idea what's going on inside your body and you need to go get that looked at by a professional. And so like if someone is willing to pay for Mm -hmm. a, virtual running coach or something like that or a training program right you better be willing to go pay to get your body checked out to make sure that you can execute those things and make sure that you're not going to wound be wound injured 16 weeks in or five weeks into your program right so talk to me about when say okay let's do it let's do a case example uh someone who okay i'm gonna do a 32 year old woman who has two kids and uh, the youngest is one. Wow. And she wants to run a 345 marathon. She comes in to get evaluated. What are you going to do with her? Well, first off, I, I would identify her goals. Okay. All right. And I would say, okay, what, what do you want to do? And what is your time availability that you have? And, and so we would get some basic information there. Second, we would look at and say, what do you, what, what baggage do you bring to my table? Mm. So you want to identify those things that would keep um, that that individual, that lady, um, from reaching her potential. And so whether she's coming in injured or she just wants to prevent injury, mm-hmm. the, the goal is the same in that you're still looking at the why. Why? What, what, what are they doing? What is their body doing? The injury is just one piece of a continuum. All right. So we just want good human movement. And so if you have, I always talk about a a, a chair, a chair has four legs. And so we look at four basic fundamentals. We look at mobility. Does the joint have the ability to move? Flexibility. Does the muscles have the range of motion and the flexibility to move? 
stability or strength? Does the muscles have the ability to control your body through that movement? And then fourth would be mechanics. Do you utilize mechanics in a way that allow you to be an efficient, whatever you're doing, runner in this situation? So I would identify from her where her, um, her deficiencies are. How do you move? Do you have areas of your ankle? Like a lot of times with plantar fasciitis, mm. you know, they have either an, an ankle that is either A, too mobile and can't control itself, B, um, uh, hypomobile or, or rigid or tight, and they have to compensate for it. They could have hip issues above them, you know, all the way up that's causing them to not push off or have the right form or technique when they're running. Um, there's whole different pieces that we're looking at. So we're trying to identify those imbalances that allow, that are causing them to not reach their potential or lead them to injury and then build a plan to help them correct each one of those pieces. And then ultimately it comes down to mechanics. If we correct all those things, but then they still go out and run really, really poorly, then a lot of things, you know, Dr. Phil always says, if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you got. Mm, and so we true. need to really identify. And, and, and so what would you say if you said, what would make you different than another place that goes and still works on mobility, flexibility, and stability? Well, this facility and the people that we have in it give us the ability to look at people like on a turf or on our Alter G, or on some of our equipment where we can actually videotape and, and monitor and look at their mechanics of their running, jumping, cutting activities, and be able to give them feedback and technique on how to correct that. Would you recommend, um, you know, I'm kind of in a very, in my, in life in general, I'm of the like simplistic mindset mm. yes in my kids sports and everything we do i'm like let's just be as simple and as we can um but that being said um as someone who's run 16 marathons i'm 36 mm -hmm. i've been doing this for a while especially the older i get i'm like man i think it really makes sense for someone to come in and just get evaluated so that they can start off being the best they can be from the beginning and prevent these injuries. So I guess my question there is like, if, if you have a newer runner or someone who wants to take on a new endeavor, like I want to run my first marathon or I want to run my first ultra, do you recommend them just coming and getting evaluated? And, and I mean, just in general, like, cause you know, a lot of people listening to this podcast might be in California or New York or wherever. Well, for sure. And, and, and the reason for that is, um, most individuals just go out and start running. They yeah. really don't know how to run. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing to me as I run down the Monon, which is a local path here in Indianapolis, and um, and people are running faster than me, and their mechanics are awful, but yet I still know that they're just out there trying to be the best they can be, but they just don't know where they're at. Okay, but question there is like, how much is like nature versus like what we're nurturing? Because part of my mind when uh -huh, I'm thinking about this uh -huh. thinks you know, when we're little kids, we just go out and run and play. Correct. And I look at my seven-year-old son and I'm like, man, his form is legit. Like it's mm -hmm. so good. And that's just what he naturally does. So talk about that. So the human body is the most amazing creation. It's, it's amazing. It will adapt to the stresses applied to it and it adapts very well until it doesn't. Mm, okay. And so the, the goal that you, what you're looking at is to say, hey, is it okay just people run the way they run mm -hmm. and, and they'll be okay? Yes, 
90% of the time, they're going to be fine. The issue is, what are your goals? Do you want to reach your potential? Mm, okay. Do you want to do you want to stay away from potential injury? And definitely, as we age, you you and I both are runners, and yep. we both love to do it. It's something that we're passionate about to do ourselves. We want to continue to do it for the rest of our lives, and we want to do it the best way we can. So yes, a person can just go out and run, get a you know go online and get a a running plan and just put it together. But to reach their potential, or at some point. You know, I remember Bob Kennedy, and I, I think that he said to me once, um, it's, it's if you run more than four times a week, it's not a matter of if you'll get injured. It's a matter of mm-hmm. when. At mm-hmm. some point, and, and I apologize, Bob, if I said that in a little <laughs> bit incorrectly, but I believe that's how he said it. Okay. And, um, and so what we want to do is try to give people the opportunity to try to to lengthen that time where they they would be out of doing what they love to do. Yeah, no, I love that. And, you know, as someone who now that I'm done having my babies, whew, happy about that. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> happy to not have to like go back from the, you know, postpartum to getting back in shape again. Um, you know, one of my big goals is to break three hours in the marathon. Um, right now my PR is 311 and I know that there are some mechanical things that like I could work on to perfect what I'm doing. And I know that for me to run, you know, 655 or whatever pace for 26 miles, like every little thing can help. So if I were to come to you Mm -hmm. and say, okay, here's what I do. This is how I run. I definitely have some things I probably am not doing very well. Uh, what would you, what would you do? Like, how would you evaluate? Me? Yeah. So first, once again, I all come back to my, my four legs of the chair. Oh, right, right. And so I would look to see where you're mobile, where you're flexible, mm. where you're not, where you're strong and, and how your mechanics are. We're not going to make everyone perfect mechanics. That's not what it's about. It's about developing your body to be able to, um, sustain and control that mechanic that you have. And if we can tweak it a little bit, but you'll find that it's not about so much fixing your mechanics. It's about fixing your body in order so that it corrects the mechanic itself. Case in point, most people in this world, just most runners, just worried use shoes mm. to control their arch. Mm-hmm. We strength train our glutes. We strength train our quads, our abs, our arms, but nobody strength trains their foot. So we, we put this shoe on. Which I love shoes. I, I you know, I, I, I run in Saucony myself, and I, and but the shoe, the foot becomes used to the shoe. All right. So just a case in point, why wouldn't we want to teach that foot to control both accepting the force of running? And then delivering force as we push off. If we would actually strength train that, I'm using that as a very small example of something that is very big because very few people do it, then we have a much better control and push off. We're more efficient. We lose less energy as we run. Mm. And then you get to cut more time off because you're more efficient. More efficient means less energy expenditure. means it could go faster for longer and you get the better result. Man, you guys... I don't know if you know this dirty little secret about me, but I know John Grant does because he works on me uh-huh. that I wear these grandma orthotics. And <sighs> I know, I know, St. Vincent, I know Brian Sheeter has talked to me about this. Everybody's like, you need to strengthen your feet. But I'm telling you the one year that I didn't wear them in the eight, 20 years I've been a runner, I've had orthotics since I was 15. 
I tore my plantar fascia. Yeah. It was but because your foot wasn't, wasn't ready. It wasn't ready. It, you didn't get the strength in order. And it takes time. I uh, know. How long does it take, though? Because I'm scared. Six months to a year. See, that makes me nervous because so I'm all like, you I want to start running fast now. You would stair step down. What do you mean? You mean you would go from a custom orthotic to a okay. insert, and okay. then you would go to a you know a little bit more of a light stability shoe to a um, to a neutral shoe to a racing flat, um, and then you know whatever the, the racing flats where kind of where we want to be. Um, I know well because I you know the whole talk about. Kipchoge and everything. I'm yeah. like, oh my gosh, if people saw how much my shoes weighed with my orthotics. Yes. But it, it makes me nervous to do that because I guess I'm impatient. Yes. Most runners that do this, it's it's more than just running. It's yeah. your way of coping with life. It's how you get your relief. <laughs> That's how you exist. It allows you to take care of your kids and and do the podcast and and enjoy life is because this is where your moment is. You take that away. And it's very difficult. So that's why when someone gets injured, this is way more than a physical issue. This is a this is a mental issue. This is an emotional issue and it's a spiritual issue. It really and, is. And and so we, we love to help people through the process. The issue is slowly teaching them how to control their body in a way that they can sustain themselves better and progress slowly through what makes them most mechanically efficient. Can I try to run a marathon PR before I do this process. Of course. <laughs> Cause I, I love, I, I, I believe in what you guys are, are saying with that. Mm-hmm. I have really high arches and that's part of the problem. Right. Um, and I haven't had plantar fasciitis in a while, but, um, it's the patience thing. I'm like, man, I'm feeling really fit right now, and I don't want to go through that process. I want to run fast first, but well, long term. Long term. Once again, we want to run for life. Yeah, that's our goal. Yeah. Our goal is to teach people how to to control their body and enjoy running, so they love to do it. They're physically active, and and they do it for life. Okay, so talk about some really basic key things you see runners do that they shouldn't do that could be. Um, if they don't do them, it could help them to not get injured with these pesky injuries like, yeah. you know, like nagging hamstring, plantar fasciitis, my hips are tight. Well, uh, yeah, everyone will come back to you need to foam roll, you need to stretch, you need to do all these things. But ultimately, it comes back to force, uh, the ability to accept force and deliver force. Okay. And and so strength training. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will tell you over and over and over again, most things are because your body is accommodating um, and it's 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 not dealing with the stress in the way it should. And so it, you're using muscles inappropriately. So right off the top, do you have a good um, trunk positioning when you run? Do you have good control of your core, your your abdomen and your back muscles? Second is, is your hip stronger, uh, uh, strong enough to handle the load, not just your glutes and your hip flexors and hamstrings, but also your lateral stabilizers, your adductor and your, your glute med and stuff on the outside that help to control you in what's called the frontal plane. And then the, the ability to be able to, to accept that force and then deliver it in a mechanically correct way, which means you have to get coordination and, and using that strength training in a way that is more running specific. It's just not about how much weight can I push. It's about how well can I move that weight. I'm the kind of person that gets into the weight room, though, and I'm like, uh, <laughs> what do I do here? 
Um, once a week, I do Reformer Pilates. Love it. John Grant, he's like, yes, that's awesome. And I honestly, I started doing that in March. Great. Consistent once a week. I feel like it has changed my body outward looking in. Maybe people can't tell, but like I can feel it. I right. feel stronger. The stability. Yes. Um, in a perfect world, I would like to do it twice a week, but mm-hmm. A, it's expensive. B, right. time. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as that strength program goes, I think a lot of us uh, can, we, we walk out the, our front door and we run because that's easy. It's simple. Mm-hmm. Everything about it is just, you don't have to think. Now, to add in strength training, say twice a week, is there a simple answer? Like, what is a simple program we can adapt to? Well, uh, simply to start with, it's body weight training. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can get into a series where you're doing, um, you know, 30 minutes where you're doing uh, 45 seconds of one exercise, 15, 20 seconds to get to the next. And you set it up in your living room or your home and you go from glute bridges to planks okay. to single leg squats to some loop band side steps to um, some uh, low abdominal exercises. You know, there's just so many little pieces you can do. But at some point, adding some resistance you know, putting uh, some dumbbells in your hands, uh, adding a kettlebell, adding some external resistance really, really will help. And you'll find that initially a lot of people can go to Reformer Pilates or go to a, uh, a class like we have adult fitness classes here. Mm-hmm. They could do that once or twice a week. Um, or And then to supplement that, they could just take the exercises they know they need. So the identification of when we look at what things aren't working well, you come down with a handful of exercises that we're really needing to focus on. And those would be ones that I'd say, hey, I need you to do those three times a week on your own for five to 10 minutes before or after you run. Mm-hmm. And then then start to develop the better, uh, diminish the discrepancy of the imbalance of weight with that, um, and then build into more weight training. We're doing a video series with you guys as well. And I should, we should do like a video with like 10 exercises. Like here are some go-tos. Right. Where you teach me and show me and then we can show the world. Let's do it. Everybody else. Let's do that. Um, yeah. I, I think my personal goal is to go to one of your adult strength training classes once a week uh-huh. and do the Pilates once a week. I and, think it'd be awesome. And if I, I feel like if I can do that. And run four to six times a week. Like that's my perfect world. Because as I get older, I know how, you know, 36 isn't 26. 26 isn't 16. You know what I mean? It's like, I know that would be beneficial. I I really believe that if you take the time and you do the strength training just a little bit, you will see. and, And I tell this to my clients, the strength training really makes a difference. Yeah. And would you even say, you know, I think that runners too get so hung up on like, I got to get my mileage and I got to get my mileage. And if I'm training to run sub three and I'm running 65 miles a week, would you beg to say that run 57 miles a week and spend that hour from 57 to 65 doing the strength training. There's no doubt. And there, and you're a coach. And so you know that there's a difference between qualitative work and quantitative work. You need a little bit of both. You need some speed work. You need some tempo work. You need some, you know, some higher mileage, but if you looked at and said, Hey, how can I just make my mileage as qualitative as I can to carve off a little bit of time so that I can do some strength training that'll help my qualitative work work better. 
Okay, so and then another qu- follow-up question with that is um, if someone's adding in a strength training tr- session and that's like their – once a week, that's their main strength training. And then say the other day they're doing something like a Pilates class or something. Mm-hmm. If you have a tempo and speed and long run, where do you, would you fit in the strength so that it doesn't negatively affect the quality sessions? Usually after the speed or the tempo. The run. day after. Yeah, after or that day that, of. L- the, later that day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you just don't want to really make your muscles super sore and tight. Um, like last night, I did a pretty hard floor workout and and did some lunges and 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 some squats and some jumps and i ran this morning my legs were heavy mm-hmm. and, and so if, if you're going out right before and doing some pretty hard lifting and then trying to run you'll, you'll just feel heavy and so i usually say let's go run and then let's either do that later that day um do the the strength training or the next day i like the idea of doing it later that day if your schedule Time, allows yeah. it because then that that gives you two days between if you want to do another session to exactly right. recover because usually two days after my hard strength session is when I'm really sore. Really sore. Right. Yeah. And so a good light little run after the day after uh-huh, jog it out. that really gets some of the soreness out. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So if you're treating an athlete who is focusing more on like an ultra distance compared to an athlete who is focusing on say a half marathon, I feel like a half marathon is a pretty high number of people are running half marathons. Right. How are you focusing? What are you focusing on different for someone that's doing, I guess I, it sounds funny to say shorter distance because a half marathon is not short. Right. But compared to someone who's coming in to you looking to do a 50 miler. Yeah, that's a really good question. Honestly, not much. Yeah. Um, I mean, definitely endurance training for their strength training. Um, but ultimately a half marathon is endurance also. Right. And so it's really about developing the, the running, um, and building that up in a slow controlled manner to be able to tolerate that along with your strength training. And then a lot of times it's more nutritionally based, Mm -hmm. really trying to make sure that their gut and their, their fueling their body in order to give them the nutrition for their muscles to recover and and they're adequately fueling that so the muscles can withstand the time. But from a strength training standpoint, um, I mean, you could ask my coworker, Huddy, he just finished the ITR 100 a couple weeks ago. Oh, was that um, that recent? Yeah. Okay. And so he, uh, uh, he could probably tell you a little bit more specifically about anything that he would do um, specifically from a treatment and training standpoint. But um, working with him daily, I don't think he does anything different when he's training for the marathon that he does from a strength training and treatment standpoint than he does um, for his for his endurance runs. I'm really excited to dive into the nutrition piece too. I'm going to be talking with Anna Turner here, right, in, right. here in the next week or so, and that's going to be part of this series as well where we really get into pre, pre-run nutrition, post-run nutrition. Mm-hmm. Do you generally refer people to meet with the sports dietitians here? Oh, for sure. They're the best in the business. I, I mean... We're so blessed to have the staff that I get to work with every day. Um, and Lindsay and Anna are, they're just phenomenal. Yeah, that seriously, I know we keep talking about this holistic approach, but I, that is what I love. You can just like pop over to the different departments and just check all the boxes. Right. And be ready to go. Yep. Okay, so you mentioned before we got on the podcast that you were selected to do the 2020 Olympic team and come on as a trainer for them. And you're going to get to go to Tokyo. Wow. So tell, tell us about that. How does that work? Well, um, you know, 
first off, I, I'm I'm just really excited and I'm very thankful. I feel very blessed to have this opportunity. Um, I've spent the last, you know, uh, over 10 years traveling and working with USA Track and Field. And so it, it starts off with, you know, as a, as a medical provider, we have to be vetted by the USOC. So we have to do a two-week and. Uh, um uh, volunteer time at one of the training centers. And I went to Chula Vista. Two weeks. Two weeks. And uh, so I was at Chula Vista and I did my um, training there just, you know, to go through and be vetted by the um, uh, the IOC or the USOC. And then um, from there, we've been working and traveling with USA Track and Field for the last at least 10 years. And so I've developed friendships and relationships with them. And um, I was selected to the world team uh, in um, 2017. And so I got to, you know, talk about highlights. I get to see Jenny Simpson run her, her uh, uh, silver medal in, in the 15. I got to see Colleen. And Where was that? In it was in London. London, that's what I was going to say. And uh, okay. so I, I got to sit there and watch um, Emma Coburn and, and Courtney finish uh, one, two in so the steeple. Cool. That was one of the highlights. And then uh, I got to go inside the stadium and watch um, um, Usain Bolt get beaten for the first time in, in years and years <laughs> and years by Coleman and Gatlin in the hundred, which is a really special thing to be a part of, um, you know, professionally. Yeah. And so I've had to go through and work different teams. So you, you have worked the, the great race in Edinburgh. Um, I was at World Relays in Japan this last year. Um, so each year I have to do an international uh, or team event. And so you just develop up your, you keep going higher and higher up on the food chain. Okay. And then you um, submit your application. And then you are voted on and nominated um, by coaches and uh, the athletes, uh, and so it's actually something. It's a it's a it's a privilege to be nominated for. So the athletes are voting too on yes. who they want working on their bodies. At least that's the way I understand it. Okay, you guys had another um, trainer. I'm going to forget his name that just recently went to Doha. Yes, so Jacob Crow. Jacob, okay. Uh, so Jacob was on this year's world team, which was awesome. So cool. Yeah. Yeah, he was excited about that. He came over to Athletic Annex, I host a training group over there, and him and Scott Hudson uh-huh. work on the athletes there, and um, which is really nice. It's a complimentary service that the people in the training group just get from right, the right. best professionals out yeah, there. we've done that for a long time. Yeah, it's yeah. so cool, and it's definitely not something we take for granted, but... Um, I got to talk him with him, and he I know he was really excited to go to Doha, but I haven't talked to him since he came back. Well, he had a great trip. It was a great experience. It was really hot. Uh-huh. Um, but the air conditioning system inside the stadium, and he could he could talk about that much, much more than I could, was sure. pretty impressive. Um, and so it really wasn't too bad um, in the stadium. Um, but overall, I think that he had a just an absolutely phenomenal experience. Yeah, I heard people talking about the stadium. And I, I mean, I just can't imagine that experience for the people running the marathon. No, uh, you know, super hard. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think ultimately it came down and, and the men's was fine, mm-hmm. but the women's was... Why was the men's fine? Because a different the, time of day? Yeah, it, it wasn't a different time of day. It just was a little better weather. Just better weather. Yeah, and so it, it just was super hot, uh, you know, at the start of the race. And I can't remember exactly what the temperature was, but it was 90s and super high humidity for the women's. And, you know, and over about a third of the ladies dropped out. So, yeah, it's crazy. So that that's difficult. Um, no doubt, but they knew that going in, but everything else went pretty well. Yeah. Okay. So when you are in Tokyo for the Olympics, mm-hmm. 
what are you going to be doing? Well, um, that's really interesting because we don't know exactly okay. who all is going to be at the village initially. Um, the way I've been explained to, this is my first Olympics that I actually am on the team. I, I did go to Rio as um, adjunct medical okay. care. What does that um, mean? Meaning um, there wasn't enough medical people to take care of all the USA track and field athletes. Okay. So I wasn't in the village. I didn't wasn't officially with the team, but there was a staff of us um, from St. Vincent that went and actually stayed uh, in Rio and then just worked at the practice track and helped take care of the athletes until the numbers started to diminish. Okay. And so we'll do that again this year. We'll actually take a staff of probably four extra St. Vincent sports performance staff members to go over to Tokyo and and take care of uh, USA track and field um, at the practice tracks and, and, and areas around that. You're so, not extra this year, though. Yeah, this year I get the. <laughs> I, I'm going to be in the village. That's awesome. Um, but the first week is more swimming than it is track and field. Okay. And so, um, as I've been told, there's a little. There's not as many rooms in the village, and so I may be up at high altitude with the, the distance runners, okay. um, and then come down with them and go to the village for the last two weeks. So, are you just working on them daily? Just daily. Everybody will kind of come in yes. and get their check every day. So. Whatever they need, um, we'll have a scheduling system. We'll do one half-hour appointments. Okay. Um, usually when I was at Worlds. Worlds um, in London, we started our day at 9 a.m. and usually finished our last appointment at 10 p.m. Wow. And uh, it is a super exciting, fun thing to do, but it is hard work. People think that you're going to all the events yeah. and get to do all the hoopla. Not so much. You're working hard. We work hard, but it's for a great cause. Yeah. What... What's one of the coolest experiences that you've had or interactions that you've had with, you know, someone at the professional level? Wow, that's a that's a big question. I know. Um, and so I already mentioned a couple just kind of watching, uh -huh. you know, just uh, watching the athletes go through like at Worlds and the Olympics, they have to go through so many different rounds. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, just one in case for me, just watching Jenny Simpson mm -hmm. go from the opening round um, and through the semifinal round and then the finals um, and just the mental preparation and how they have to really kind of um, plan how hard are they going to run this? They got to do just enough to get through, but not tear their body up to where they can give it everything they got for that final. And so, and then watching her come off of that and then come back to the treatment area and give me a big hug, um, was maybe one of the neatest things that I've been a part of. She really seems like one of the most genuine athletes I've ever talked to. There's no doubt about it. And I would say there, I could mention a hundred different right. um, USA track and field athletes that are genuine and awesome people, but she's, uh, she's very special. Yeah. I felt super connected to her and I was a little bit nervous about her interview only because um, she does seem a little bit more reserved and doesn't put as much out there on social as some of the, the people I, I talk to and that are competing and, and when I talked to her, that was one of the things like she she kind of keeps not to herself, but like in her lane so that she can stay so highly focused on what her task is and and just zone in on that. Yeah. She's a professional. Yeah. At, at, at the highest level. Yeah. I want to be friends with her, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, she would be a good friend. Yeah. She's a she's a real special person. Um, one more service I just want to highlight that St. Vincent offers is the mental training piece. Right. And, um, 
I'm not sure I'm going to be talking with uh, someone in that department here, but I'd just love to hear your take a little bit about um, the importance of that in training, whether you're training to run your first marathon, break four hours, qualify for the trials, you know, regardless of that. Talk about the, the mental side. Well, it's got such a stigma about sports psychology. You know, is there something wrong with me? Um, am I mentally not strong? And that's nothing to do with it. It's, you know, when I listen to Dr. Chris Carr talk about what he does, it's really, really neat to hear how he talks about, it's about focus and getting the most out of your mind. We spend so much time training our bodies, but we spend so little time training our minds. And and if, like my daughter, my daughter runs cross country for Westfield High School. Okay. And so much of that, they spend so much time training, but when they get to the line, they're so nervous and then they don't compete the way they want to because they got these butterflies. And so Dr. Carr said one thing in a, in a, in a conference I was with him and he said, I can't take away your butterflies, but mm-hmm. I can teach you how to make your butterflies f- fly in formation. And I think that's so good. Can you, we all have a tendency to overthink or to be stressed or anxious about what we really love and about what we want to do really well with. But if we could control that energy and those thoughts, could you imagine how much better our body would work if we could control that part of it? Yeah, I love that. I know I have some, a group of running friends that we're all real close and we always just laugh and say to each other, hey, it's just running. Like, I want to run fast. I want to see what my potential is, but it's just running. Don't overthink it. Yeah. But you can't make those butterflies go away. You, you wouldn't believe the amount of people like this this year before the New York City Marathon, the clients that I had getting ready to go run. Really? And it's like, you know, they're asking, well, how bad are the bridges? You know, <laughs> or the, I heard the bridges are bad, uh-huh. you know, and then, you know, it's like Boston. It's the it's the big hill. You know, how am I going to do it? And, and they're and they're not even there yet. Yeah. And they're already in their mind thinking about how hard it's going to be instead of having mental strategies on how they're going to deal with it and bust through it. You know, I have to say I ran New York this year for the first time and I wasn't in shape to run a personal best time or anything like that, but I had a really good race. Awesome. And I think what it was, and I mean, I was scared of the hills because Uh India is flat and I don't go out of my way to run hills. Right. I knew that the hills were going to be hard for me. But I think because I wasn't putting the pressure on myself, because I couldn't, because I just knew my body wasn't physically there to run faster than a 311 marathon, I had so much more fun just like letting my body do what it can do and also having this like no um, no pressure to fail approach. Right. I felt, I just listened to my body and I felt I'm probably running a little bit faster than my ability is capable of right now in the first half. Um, but I only ran a two-minute positive split, which isn't crazy. That doesn't say I blew, blew up. Right. Um, but I just think that I let the pressure go and just said, I'm just going to do what I'm capable of, made the experience so much more enjoyable. And I still ran way faster than I thought I could run, even though it wasn't a personal best. So could you imagine if you did that same approach and you were well-trained? And 
fit for a personal best. Right. Do what you're capable of and just take chances. And let your body do what it does and relax while you're doing it. Enjoy it. You just said it over and over again. You enjoyed it. Yeah. And if you can teach yourself to just enjoy the moment and get in there and just do what you do, um, you know, that really is, you know, like the, the shoe store that Bob started, the Blue Mile. I always wondered why they called it the Blue Mile. Well, the Blue Mile is that perfect mile when you're just, you feel like you're floating and that you could do that mm. forever. And and if you can get yourself to the Blue Mile mentally, physically, you are, you're going to run at your, 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 your potential that day. And one thing I, I was thinking about this as we're talking about the mental training and um, I think mantras are super important. Some people might not use them, but I didn't go into New York with a mantra in mind, but I knew those bridges were going to be hard and I don't do super well in them, but I just, every step I took, I just kept saying, you will recover from this. You will recover from this because I knew I was going to go down after that bridge and then I could just let my body relax. And so I think sometimes in the moment, it's just an on the spot you know, mantra. Sometimes we can go into races like in 2017, um, my mantra was define yourself because I had interviewed Dina Castor and that's what she, that was her mantra. And I owned that mantra, but, um, I think that we can get in our own heads and use that mental space with positive words, even when it hurts. And that helps. Right. I agree. 100%. Um, so don't be scared of the bridges in New York people. Just (laughs) get up them and know that you will go down them. That's right. And actually, you should be more scared of the Fifth Avenue Hill that's just this long, deadly, not very steep, but slow climb. That's like mile 23 and a half or 24. That was the hardest mile in New York for me. Wow. Okay, um, Daryl, we always wrap up the podcast with a couple of questions I ask everybody. Person. So I'm going to keep to that with uh, the St. Vincent series. What is one thing professionally or personally that you haven't done that you'd like to do? Work the Olympics. And we're doing it. And we're going to do it. And then once you do that, how do you then say, how do you then get to that? Like, okay, I did that. What's next? You know, I I really don't know. And I'm going to figure that out probably in about a year. Okay. But really at this level, I want to use, I'm 50 years old now. I want to use this wealth of experience um, and, and just teach and educate and uh, work with people that aren't going to be Olympians, but just want to be the best they can. And that's really, really what I want to do. I don't need to work another Olympics. If I do great, I'll be blessed to do so, but it's not what I'm striving for. I want to do this one for sure. Yeah. But after that, I just want to, I just want to enjoy what I'm doing and help people every day. What's an accomplishment you're most proud of? Um, probably when Ralph came to St. Vincent Sports Medicine and, and we formed St. Vincent Sports Performance, mm. him, um, myself and Tim Drudge sat around and we dreamed up this building and we're sitting in it today. And so, uh, to say that I was one of the, the, the people behind the start of this, uh, awesome, uh, facility and company, um, is such a blessing. That's so cool. Do you think when you retire, you'll sit on the board? Um, uh, if they'll have me, <laughs> that'd be great. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, what's a nonprofit you like to support? Um, Compassion International. Okay. We have a young girl named Betty in Tanzania and, uh, love just seeing letters and pictures of her, um, growing up and, and learning and, um, know that we have a, we're touching somebody more than just this, uh, um, very blessed nation that we're in. 
one, I love the name Betty. So it's such a pretty name. Two, um, we support two two kids with compassion as well with in our family, and and I also like supporting that organization. Yes, it's always fun to hear someone come on the show and and have similar similar values aligned in that regard. What's the best most recent book you've read? Um, Andy Stanley's Ir- Irresistible. Okay. Awesome. Okay. And then um, who's someone fun, motivating, or inspiring you'd love to have coffee, tea, or cocktail with? You mentioned his name earlier. Oh. Um, I've met him once, but I want to go fishing uh, or just have coffee, tea, or drink with Tony Dungy. Tony Dungy. That would be awesome. Okay, Daryl. Last question we always wrap up with. What's the one message you'd like to send to the world? Um, We are so blessed. We need to use that blessing to be a blessing to others. Love it. All right, Daryl, thank you so much. I know you have a patient to get to. Um, Just really appreciate you coming on the podcast and sharing about your life in St. Vincent. Hey, I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much. All right, friends. Thanks so much for listening today. Thank you, Daryl, for coming on the show, sharing your knowledge, and uh, giving us all a little kick in the butt to make sure we're doing our strength training, most importantly. I definitely took that as a takeaway from from this episode. If you guys are looking to connect with St. Vincent, I would definitely follow them on Instagram. They are Defining Sports, at Defining Sports. And I'll have the link to that in their website over on the show notes to this episode at lindsayhine.com. All right, you can find me on Instagram. I'm lindsayhine626. You can find me on Twitter at Lindsay Hine, and you can find me on Facebook. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine where we have a group as well. Don't forget, if you are looking to train for the 500 Festival Mini Marathon, join my training group. We're going to have so much fun. We'll be meeting on Wednesdays and Saturdays starting January 25th. And information on that will be in the show notes at lindsayhine.com. If you have not already signed up and you are planning to run the One America 500 Festival Mini Marathon, use the code ANOTHER5 to get $5 off your registration. All right, friends. Well, I'll see you tomorrow with my episode with sports dietitian Anna Turner.